This is the Dungeon Master's Handbook. Hello, and welcome to A Dungeon Master's Handbook. I'm Michael, Chicago Wiz, and I'm glad you're here with me. This episode, we're going to finish up talking about how I include war games in my D&D campaign, or, or really how I'm hosting a world where we play both war games and D&D all at the same time. <clears throat> Last episode, we talked about the why I'm doing it and some of my experiments where I played some single games and even a little bit about how it influenced uh, some stories out of my campaign where I was able to reenact past events and you know see how that how that affected things um, you know having done all that I wanted to try out a full campaign and see how you know what would happen how would this work so my first decision of the where and how was pretty easy because um, you know, my, my world has a very simple premise to it. It's post-apocalypse. Uh, civilization is in retreat. Uh, the bestials, the orcs and goblins and other nefarious things are out there and they're taking over. And so I, I had this great setting where there was already a lot of conflict happening. So it was pretty easy of, of the where and, and why. Um, but... More importantly, where am I going to do this in such a way that I don't drag my players fully into a war already? Um, in my world, there are two, uh, you could call them duchies, that have lost a lot of land to the bestials already. One of the duchies, my tabletop players are already involved in. So I didn't want to necessarily stage my war game, ca war game campaign there. You know, if, if uh, I screwed things up or, you know, something really catastrophic happened that I, you know, I, I really didn't didn't want to, you know, have happen because maybe I made a mistake or something. I didn't want that to affect the players. Well, the other duchy where I had kind of imagined that the, the orcs have taken uh, over a lot of area of is uh, further to the east and... Uh, that place and where the players are is separated by a mountain range. So perfect. Just like I found something on the other side of the world for my online game to play in is versus my tabletop. Here it was that now I had a far enough place away from the players that I could, you know, make all the mistakes I wanted to and no one would be the wiser. Okay, so I have an area where I want to, to engage in war. Well, then I need a couple other things. I knew I needed a map. Well, I already have a hex map. We've talked a lot about that, so that's done. I needed a way of tracking movement. You know, if you have these armies and various uh, units moving around, you got to have some way of saying, okay, they start here and they're going to go here, and how long is that going to take? And I also needed a way of figuring out who was doing what. Okay, so this person is, or this unit is here, what are they doing? Are they setting up, you know, a fort? Are they exploring? Are they recruiting new members? Are they, you know, moving to somewhere else because they want to get in the position? Are they sending messages? You know, there was all these things, and I really wasn't sure what to, what to do or how to put it together. Well, to help me... 
Um, I bought a book that I mentioned in last episode. The name of that book is Setting Up a War Games Campaign, and that's written by Tony Bass. If you remember, I spoke about him last episode. Tony Bass uh, created a similar all-encompassing campaign called the Hyboria Campaign. Um, Hyboria probably influenced a lot more about D&D than we know. And I figured, you know what? Why not go to the expert and see how he did it and what he has to say? So... I got the book and it was wonderful. It had tons of ideas um, in how to do these things. And, and of course, this was written for how he did his campaign. Obviously, I'm, I'm doing it a little bit differently, but it gave me some great starting points and like, how do I set up my map? How do I figure out the movement rates? How do I figure out how to create armies? Um, how do I set them in battle to each other? And, and, and things like that. And it was great. And, and it allowed me to really get my first, um, I guess you could call it a crude setup, uh, going. So my map was just the map of the Duchy of Dawn with the hex numbers included. You know, I had saved that on, on a Google Drive as, you know, an image. I use Google Drive a lot in my campaign. It, it was just one of the most invaluable tools that, that I've used. Um... Now, to keep track of where everyone was at, I ran into a problem because, well, I, you know, you can't kind of, I didn't want to do that with Paint or Photoshop or something. So I just used a Google Doc and I had a big table with all of the various units in the Duchy of Dawn, the orcs and, and the goblins and the humans. And I just kind of kept track of where each one was turn by turn. I didn't have, you know, something like a pin board or anything where I could print out the map and move things around with little colored pins, you know, and, and I, I didn't, uh, you know, didn't really want to print out my map and carry it around with me. Sometimes I get bored at lunch and I like to, you know, do a little gaming, so I just moved all that online. So the first few turns were interesting. Um, it, it was, uh, it was not easy to do this. Um, and, and I found myself, uh, becoming kind of, uh, encumbered by this huge document where turn by turn, I'm trying to figure out who is doing what, where they're coming from, where they're going, what their orders are. Um, but it was still a lot of fun. Um, in fact, uh, it, it was quite an interesting story. The, uh, the orcs were uh, attempting to entrap the humans so that way they could capture them and enslave them and, and take over the entire duchy. Well, there is a city by the name of Reach, and all the humans fled to this last city, and it, and it put out these armies, and there was quite the, the big last stand of battles, and, and the humans managed to hold the orcs off long enough to enact an evacuation plan. The uh, city leaders of Reach, in an act of desperation, used every available ship that they could find. They loaded up all their citizens on them and sent them south to the Duchy of Pisces, which is to the south of the Duchy of Dawn. The uh, in these war game battles that I was enacting, and I was using uh, one-hour war games and hordes of the things to enact these battles. Um, the humans managed to win enough to hold off the orcs long enough for the evacuation to happen, and then the armies turned and fled, and they evacuated. 
And the orcs came into an empty town, which I thought that was really freaking cool. Um, so my first campaign went really well. And boy, what a story I had to tell. And it was very interesting to uh, kind of drop these little tidbits on the players. And you could see them kind of looking at me going, how did you think of all that? <laughs> um, but even though I, I had fun, as I mentioned, it was very difficult to keep track of everything. Um, I'll give you an example. Sending messages. So if I have a unit that is three hexes away that just ran into the orc army and they need reinforcements, well, they have to send a message out. So I had to keep track of not only where the various armies were, but all these couriers and which courier had which message. And, and it got kind of really difficult to do. <laughs> if you saw the document that I had written to try and keep track of all this, it was, uh, it was not pretty. And in the meantime, while I'm doing all of this, I also began to write my own Wargame campaign rules. You know, I had influences from Tony Bath, um, and at the same time that I was reading his book, I had discovered another book called The Solo Wargamer's Guide by William Sylvester. Now, this book was a godsend because it had a lot of great ideas on things like managing weather, um, how to determine the actions and decisions of the various uh, NPCs with random selections, how to set up these, you know, kind of decision trees and, and how to roll them out. Um, things like how to deal with casualties and, you know, are they wounded, are they dead, are they prisoners, and just a lot of other great things. And, and his approach was, was very um, table-oriented, but it made a lot of sense and it was simple. And so I started pulling all of these various influences into my own rules, you know, coming up with my own variations on their themes and, um, you know, enacting my own game, so to speak. And I also found a lot on the web about solo wargaming. So if this is something that you're interested in, trust me, there's a wealth of information out there. Um, for example, I found uh, rules on uh, solo decision-making engines for uh, the war game. Uh, that it was something that was easily adapted to hordes of the things. So this would allow me to kind of randomly determine not only the starting positions of the units on the actual battlefield, but also what kind of decisions they were going to make. Rather than me having any sort of bias, you know, for or against one side or the other, um, I could take one side, and then on the other side, I could use random selection to dictate their actions. And sometimes I surprise myself. I win and lose a lot of battles that way. <laughs> um, so most recently... I've also started using a campaign manager called Berthier. Now, this is a neat little software tool written by a gentleman of the name of Tony Delisle. What Berthier does is it takes away a lot of the burden of what I was using a Google Doc to track. Um, I imported my map into Berthier, and then I converted it into the grid format that Berthier uses which, you know, I did once, and it was fairly easy. Now, this is, of course, on a local duchy level. I didn't import the, the entire world map because his tool couldn't handle that. 
Um, but what Bercier allows me to do is that now that I have the map imported and I've set up my units in, uh, in this tool, I can set up movement orders and I don't need to keep track of it. I say, okay, I want you to start here at this point and I want you to go here at that point. The tool automatically calculates, you know, the, the easiest way to get there. It takes into account the terrain that I've set up. Um, it knows the, the movement rates that I want for a turn-by-turn -turn basis um, and I don't have to think about it I just send the units moving if they run into any enemies along the way then the tool lets me know and then I get to uh, have my battles on on the tabletop um, it also allows me to track the orders of battles and as the armies you know fight and lose people and gain other gain soldiers back then you know I can keep track of it there um, it also greatly simplifies sending messages. Now all I have to do is literally just click and send a message and the game or this birthier tool calculates how long it'll take for the message to get there so that at some turns into the future, if this unit is waiting to be notified, bing, a message pops up and the unit gets notified of whatever they were told. Um, it's greatly reshaped how I've done things. I don't have this huge document anymore. In fact, uh, my turns now primarily are more of uh, where I'm writing out my decision trees and, and making you know the, the appropriate roles, and I'm writing up little snippets of how the battles went. The tool does a lot of this work for me, and it's just been a godsend. In fact, because of this tool, I've been uh, conducting a new campaign uh, over the past year, I've taken some breaks with, with life and everything, but um, this has been a fascinating little war game. So there's this duchy called the Duchy of Pisces, and the orcs have captured a key piece of land that cuts off Pisces from the rest of the kingdom. And so this duchy has raised their armies and they've sent them against the orcs and they've gotten messages out to their neighboring duchies uh, for help. And so far, the story is that the orcs are kicking ass and taking names. Uh, the humans cannot roll well to save their lives. And uh, pretty much the orcs have had the upper hand. But uh, there is a lot of human armies coming to, uh, to the rescue, so we'll see how this turns out. Uh, I am seven turns into this game right now, and uh, I, I can't wait to see how it turns out. There are so many details that I could get into about how I do this and that that uh, I, I could spend quite a number of episodes going into details. What I am going to do is, uh, with this episode, I'm going to leave a link to my rules if you're interested in taking a look at them. Um, I'm going to leave a link to Berthier if this is a tool that you think you might want to try out. And I'm also going to leave a link to the two books that I've been talking about, um, Setting Up a War Games Campaign and the uh, Solo Wargamer's Guide. I hope you'll check them out. I, I do want to let you know that Berthier is written for war games. It's not a D&D &D campaign manager by any means. It is really all about uh, doing a war game campaign. So although my players um, aren't necessarily taking part in these battles, right now they are starting to feel the effects of battle. Um, I'll give you an example that just happened this last game. Um, 
In at Gen Con of 2017 and at Little Wars of 2017, I introduced a new enemy to the campaign called the Sea Elves. And uh, this was done through two war game uh, scenarios that I played out at those two events. And they were surprise attacks. Well, now, because the various uh, leaders of the duchies don't know who to trust, they have started demanding that elves that travel through their lands take oaths of allegiance and wear these tokens to indicate that they are friends. And if they don't have their tokens, then they're considered foes and dealt with accordingly. Well, my players just ran into this, and they're not really happy with this. They want to know why, and they want to know more about the sea elves. And that all came from a war game, which I think that is just absolutely awesome. I can't wait till my players get high enough level where they're actually creating their own armies, and then maybe they'll be fighting these battles as well. And this really, at the end of the day, is why I'm doing this sort of thing. I just love having the opportunity to have these big ideas and big things play out on such different stages. It, it makes for a fascinating world that I get to discover just as much as my players discover. And I got to admit it, I really do. I am a geek. I do love wargaming. I love the miniatures. I love making the, uh, the terrain. I love setting it up. And I love seeing how the battles go out. I'm not sure I'm the most skilled wargamer, but I'm getting better. At least I seem to do well when I'm rolling for the orcs, so go figure. <laughs> okay, well, that's it for today. Um, I hope you've enjoyed hearing about how I've meshed my wargaming and role-playing uh, into one world. Let me know what you think, or let me know if you have questions or you want to hear more about it. Once again, thank you for all the kind comments, suggestions, and feedback you've left. Um, as always, please do leave reviews on iTunes or wherever you download this podcast. It really helps to get more listeners. And please do share the podcast on your social media, uh, on Twitter, Facebook. I really do encourage you to uh, come check me out on Facebook. I've got a Facebook page and a group, and I'd love to have some discussions about episodes or whatever you're interested in. Okay, until next time. Game on.